This is LBC with Ben Kentish. 4.46 the time now. Uh, Simon Marks, LBC's US correspondent, joins us live here on LBC as he does every Friday for his American Week. Simon. Ben, I hate to sound like a cracked record, but this American Week, America sounded like a cracked record. Breaking news right now out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, where police say a man with a rifle has entered a local hospital. Four people dead, plus the suspected gunman. The details just coming into the newsroom. This thing just happened, I mean, close to the top of our newscast. So they're on scene trying to make sure the perimeter is secure, letting police search room by room. We are getting reports that he was upset with someone in the building and as we have seen in these cases across the country craig sometimes you are upset at one person uh, but when you go in there um, then what happens innocent lives are affected and off we went again this time at a hospital in tulsa a disgruntled patient who didn't like the way his back surgery had gone a few weeks ago so he went out purchased an ar-15 assault rifle and hunted his doctor down four people were killed including the doctor before the gunman turned one of his weapons on himself police in in Tulsa, like those in Buffalo, New York, and Uvalde, Texas, before them, scrambling. Law enforcement across the nation is dealing with increased violence among people. Wendell Franklin, the chief of police in Tulsa. This is yet another act of violence upon an American city. I will say that as a Tulsa police officer, we train, we train, and we train. We have seen the violence that has taken place throughout the United States. And we would be naive not to think that that would not happen in our jurisdiction. The shooting in Tulsa took place on Wednesday afternoon. On Thursday alone, two more. A man in Ames, Iowa, shot and killed two women, then himself in a car park outside a church. And in Racine, Wisconsin, there was a shooting at a cemetery during a funeral. Bullets started flying everywhere, said the sister of the man who was being buried, and he himself had been fatally shot by police only last month. Day after day, in Incident after incident. After President Biden grieved with the families of the 19 primary school children and two teachers who were massacred at the Robb Elementary School in Uvalde last week, local residents gave him a piece of their mind. Those anguished instructions to do something at first seemed to catch the president by surprise. Initially, he ignored them, walking to the limo that was waiting to whisk him back to Air Force One. But then, as he got into the car, he turned to the crowd and mouthed the words, We will. But once he got back to Washington, he told reporters that on the issue of gun control, I can't dictate this stuff, and asked on Monday whether he had even reached out to Republicans in Congress to try and build bridges with them on the issue. He said that he hadn't. There's, a, there's an expression by an Irish poet, it's too long a suffering makes a stone of the heart. Well, there's an awful lot of suffering. On Tuesday, with the White House sensing a lack of delivery by the president on the issue, during a meeting with New Zealand's prime minister, he emotionally described his encounter with the grieving families in Uvalde. People sat in a room, about 250 of them, in a large room, with me for almost four hours. Not Nobody left. They wanted to air until I spoke to every single person in that room. Every single person, they waited to the very end. And the, the, the pain is palpable. 
Reporters wondered whether, given his emotion on the issue, he had now reached out to Republicans in Congress. He told them not yet, but he would. Now, bear in mind, Joe Biden has form on this issue. On the presidential campaign trail in 2019, with tears in his eyes, he promised the families of gun violence victims that his administration would be different. On day one, he said he would sign executive orders to kickstart the process of tightening gun control laws. But day one came and went with no action. He finally signed those executive orders almost three months into his presidency. Last night, an address to the nation, occasioned by the latest spate of mass shootings and the president's own recent visits to Buffalo, New York, scene of last month's racially motivated attack on a supermarket and the Robb Elementary School in Texas. At both places, we spent hours with hundreds of family members who were broken whose lives will never be the same. They had one message for all of us. Do something. Just do something. For God's sake, do something. And so he unveiled his plan. He wants Congress to reintroduce a ban on assault weapons, but he knows that's a non-starter. So he offered an alternative proposal that would raise the legal age at which assault rifles can be purchased from 18 to 21. He wants a ban on high-capacity magazines. They can fire scores of bullets in mere seconds. He wants new criminal penalties to hold gun owners responsible if they fail to store their weapons under lock and key at home. And he wants some existing restrictions on guns that are made from kits and bump stocks that help improve a weapon's accuracy to be codified into federal law. Here at length, more of last night's presidential address. Imagine being that little girl, that brave little girl in Uvalde, who speared blood off her murdered friend's body on her own face to lie still among the corpses in her classroom and pretend she was dead in order to stay alive. Imagine, imagine what it would be like for her to walk down the hallway of any school again. Imagine what it's like for children who experience this kind of trauma every day in school, in the streets, in communities all across America. Imagine what it's like for so many parents to hug their children goodbye in the morning, not sure whether they'll come back home. Unfortunately, too many people don't have to imagine that at all. The fact that the majority of the Senate Republicans don't want any of these proposals even to be debated or come up for a vote, I find unconscionable. We can't fail the American people again. I've been in this fight for a long time. I know how hard it is, but I'll never give up. The caution injected there towards the end of his speech is a reflection of the political reality he faces. He needs 60 of the 100 votes in the Senate to bring any kind of gun control about. And with only 50 Democrats seated there, he knows that is a very high bar. A measure of the Republican Party's current view on gun control could be taken this week in a meeting of the House of Representatives Judiciary Committee that was discussing legislative proposals introduced by Democrats. It is is reflexive and it is irresponsible to consider bills 
while we're still trying to figure out what happened in some of these circumstances. Republican Matt Gates of Florida saying it's way too early to contemplate any action to prevent the future deaths of primary school children or supermarket shoppers or hospital staff. And another Florida Republican on the committee, Congressman Greg Stubbe, who was attending the session virtually, brandished weapons from his own arsenal as he objected to some of the Democrats' proposals. Here's a Sig Sauer 320. It takes a 20-round magazine. It's a 20-round magazine. This gun would be banned under this bill. Here's a gun I carry every single day to protect myself, my family, my wife, my home. This is a XL Sig Sauer P365. Comes with a 15-round magazine. Here's a seven-round magazine, which would be less than what would be lawful under this bill if this bill were to become law. It doesn't fit. So this gun would be banned. I hope the gun gun is not loaded. I'm at my house. I can do whatever I want with my guns. Congresswoman Sheila Jackson-Lee, a Democrat from Texas, trying to inject a note of sanity there into proceedings. Elsewhere across the country, lots more pushback from Republicans. School shootings have been around for decades. They're not going anywhere. That's Ohio State Representative Reggie Stoltzfus as the Assembly there passed laws allowing teachers to arm themselves. They're here to stay, so we've got two options. Hide behind the desks and barricade the door or arm the teachers, arm the staff. We're not forcing teachers to carry guns, but again, arm the staff. Our kids will be much safer. And then last Friday in Houston, just 280 miles from the Uvalde shooting, we heard from the organ grinder himself during the annual meeting of the National Rifle Association. When Joe Biden blamed the gun lobby, he was talking about Americans like you. And along with countless other Democrats this week, he was shamefully suggesting that Republicans are somehow okay with letting school shootings happen they're not okay with it this is not a matter of money this is a matter of will if the united states has 40 billion dollars to send to ukraine we should be able to do whatever it takes to keep our children safe at home Donald Trump's plan to turn schools into armed encampments. They should, he said, have tighter security than airports and government buildings. He called for a security review at every school in the nation, the creation of only one point of entry at each school, security fencing surrounding all schools, armed guards clearing visitors in through checkpoints modelled on those that exist at military bases. And he's a man who used to support a ban on assault weapons until he realised you couldn't win as a Republican if you espoused them. On other issues this week, President Biden couldn't win and, in fact, was the architect of his own demise. America is still a country without very much baby formula after a February product recall caused national shortages that blindsided the White House. For the last month, the president's top aides have insisted the problem is now finally coming under control, even though this time last Friday, 70% of retailers reported to the government that they had no formula on the shelves at all. This week, the president participated in an event designed to show that his plan, dubbed Operation Fly Formula, is sorting everything out by securing formula overseas and flying it into the United States. But then came this absolute own goal scored by Captain Biden as he questioned James Cleveland, the head of formula manufacturer Reckitt. Did you anticipate that the closure of the Abbott facility 
because it was produced, not producing the quality that was necessary that would have this profound an effect immediately? We were aware of the general impact that this would have. Now, we, we knew from the very beginning this would be a very serious event. There was more. Murray Kessler is with formula manufacturer Perigo. The very first thing we did when we heard about the Al- Abbott recall was we could foresee that this was going to create a tremendous shortage. We began collaborating closely with the, you know, the FDA, our retail customers and other stakeholders to identify and prioritize what was most critical. By the time the event dragged to a conclusion, reporters were ready to besiege the president with that age-old question. What did he know and when did he know it? The question is whether or not there was a... This could have been moved quicker. Well, I don't think anyone anticipated the impact of the shutdown. Didn't the CEOs just tell you that they understood it would have a very big impact? They did, but I didn't. I became aware of this problem sometime in after April, in early April, about how intense it was. And with that, he drove an articulated lorry through White House claims that top officials had been working to resolve the issue around the clock all the way back to February. There was another damaging concession this week. It came from Joe Biden's Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, during an appearance with Wolf Blitzer of CNN. I want to play for you what you said about inflation last year. Listen to this. Is there a risk of inflation? Um, I, I think there's a small risk, and I think it's manageable. Was it a mistake, Madam Secretary, to downplay this inflation risk? Well, um, look, I, I think I was wrong then about um, the path that inflation um, would take. And that left the White House struggling to explain why President Biden isn't also publicly admitting that he got it wrong when he batted away suggestions from economists that inflation was going to soar. I want to end this week by taking you back to Texas and that National Rifle Association conference. Among the speakers, well-known gun rights supporter Senator Ted Cruz of Texas. You know, when we were growing up, this kind of thing didn't happen. Kids may have worried about getting into a fist fight at school, maybe a bloody nose at recess, but we never worried about a psychopath coming into our classrooms to commit murder. So I looked it up. Ted Cruz was nine years old in school when Bob Geldof and the Boomtown Rats were singing this. And you can see no reasons because there are no reasons. What reason do you need to who die? I Don't Like Mondays was written all about a 1979 school shooting in San Diego that killed two and wounded nine. The 1970s were pockmarked with shootings at schools in New York, California, Michigan. They're considered the second most violent period in American school history. Nothing changed then, and Ben, President Biden's problem is that for all his passion last night, nothing is going to change now either. Simon, thank you. Fascinating as ever. Simon Marks, the LBC's US correspondent.